0: Our Heavenly Father, our great God, our Creator, our holy and perfect God, we come before you now, not in a whimsical way, not in a uh, casual way, but recognising you are Lord of all the universe, that you are indeed holy and pure, (coughs) and no one can come into your light except for the saving grace of Jesus Christ. So we thank you. And we pray that by your spirit this morning, you would help us just to have a peer into your word and just to be convicted in our hearts to understand you more, that we may love you more dearly and walk more closely with you. Amen. 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 Um Hasn't been, I don't think it's the, uh, the pattern to read all of the passages that we're looking at, Are we aware that we're looking at uh, Genesis 12? Yep. Um, Hugely significant chapter in the whole of the Bible. Um, It's recognized that from chapter 12, kind of God that sets out, uh, his plan in more detail and his promise is more explicit what we've had have had and what andrew's taking us through is um a brief overview so like 1 to 12 and in 1 to 12 we find that god is showing himself as to be that creator god that we all recognize awesome in power uh, great in mercy as well he's shown himself to be creator and the judge of men and not only does God reveal his character, um, but he also um, shows us his, well, part of his character, his, his love towards us by his, his promise, as early as uh, in the early chapters of Genesis. Um, and so we find out about how, who God is, but we also understand the corruptness of men's hearts. Uh, and we've ended it, or Andrew ended it last week, uh, looking at the Tower of Babel where things have got bad, really bad, trying to make a name for themselves, and God confused their language and scattered them. And so from this point now, we could call it the, the age of the patriarchs, the, the ones of which we follow a family line and, and a people which God would form for himself. And so we've gone from the general, now we go to the specific. Um, and if we consider who this is written to as well, as we, as we should do. So Moses wrote this um, on the cusp of the people entering into the promised land once again. This would have been um, a great reminder to them. A reminder of the original promises of, uh, to Abraham, their father. Uh, they refer to him as father. In fact, actually, Abraham, you, um, I'm looking at everybody here. Expect or know that the name means a father of multitudes uh, or father of many, and um, and that's who they saw Abraham, and so it would have been a, a great reminder of their purpose and their promise, because they'd be wandering around grumbling, not really taking stock of what God was doing. Um, and I think I find it's always, for my own sake, it's always good to look back uh, to know where you are heading to. Um, for many times where I would have a, an idea of something that I would like to do, um, start on the journey and forget why I'm doing it, lose interest and then not finish it. Yet here in chapter 12 we have the establishment of, of the promises of God for a people and blessings through them and that's great for not only the people entering into the promised land for some 400 years later under the headship of uh, Joshua, but um, but for us today, uh, that we look back and we see what God has promised and established that we may go forward. So we do have this chap Abraham introduced to us uh, very briefly in end of, end of 11. Um, Abraham, not Abraham. Uh, it's quite ironic really that uh, he is called Abraham because it means exalted father. Um, And we're told at the end of chapter 11 that he is childless. Um, And so it sets something up of an anticipation about resolving that irony. Just consider Abraham. So, well, actually, let's read the first just verse together so we get a good context. So the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. We consider Abraham, where he's come from. He's come from Ur, uh, under um, the wings of his uncle. And now what we have is um, them settled, the family settled at Haran. They've got many possessions. They have a family. Um, Abraham had many possessions himself. Um, because we read in verse five that all the possessions they accumulated, so they they're very wealthy. Like I can say he didn't have a son though, and um, and to not have a family in those days, or not to have an heir as such, was quite an indictment on him, and and, uh, and a very uh, poor situation to be in. There's is, is no heir for all those possessions that he had. Um, there's no one to take care of him in his old age, and even um, to take care of him when uh, to take care of him after he's died, and and so we have Abraham probably wanting and needing to be around the wider family, and and now we have God or the Lord saying to Abraham, "Go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you." And this kind of covers the first. First part of, of this, uh, of this uh, chapter, which shows you a real cost of following God. Um, perhaps today we take following God very lightly, that we consider it quite easy just to say, yes, I, I love you, Lord, and I will follow you all my days. However, for a true man of faith, Abraham, or Abram, it meant to leave his country, leave security and follow God without having the precise details laid out before him. But God is with him and he will show him where to go. Then he it goes on then to make a wonderful promise to Abraham he says I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you I will make your name great and you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you and he whoever curses you I will curse and all the peoples or families on earth will be blessed through you we have God acting in grace and love towards Abraham And we will see Abraham as a man of faith responding to that. But what we do find in this chapter as well, the other side of Abraham in his response to God and his promises. We have a wonderful testament of faith in the first half. But then when we find Abraham or Abraham in Egypt, we see a more, um, we see that corruptness of men's hearts. Once again, coming to the the fore. Well, the Lord said to Abraham, go. And Abraham went. Um, I had a quick look at the grammar. I I had a quick peek in the commentaries. And it's, it's a fair translation to say, say go so that I may make you into a great nation. This go so that I may. There's a there's a there's a promise and a consequence. So for Abraham or Abraham, sorry, I'm gonna have to keep stopping myself saying Abraham, but Abraham not only had to believe what God was saying, but he had to do something. He had to respond so that God could bless him through that. The alternative to Abraham was to stay put and not seize and take hold of the promises offered to him but by faith as we will find out that Abraham went and just look Abraham's 75 years old he's leaving all behind him all that he knew to a land which God was yet to show him but then we have all these blessings that God promises and then he said that he would make his name great and we've seen that Man's attempt to make his name great in the Tower of Babel was frustrated. Yet now God, in his grace and his mercy and his divine plan, was going to make Abram's name great. What are blessings for us and what are blessings uh, for uh, the people there? Now, many people would say that blessings are wealth, health, prosperity, happiness, And yes, uh, success. And people will delightfully receive those. But there is, as we've seen, that cost to receiving the blessings is to go and obey. And the promise is that, as we saw at the very beginning of Genesis, that God was walking with Adam and Eve. And if you forward yourself uh, through to... um, let me look at the reference. I did do a reference to this. That's uh, a Leviticus. I will, I will find it in Leviticus. That it will show you the, uh, the blessings of obedience. And it will list all these things that people would normally think of blessing is life, success, health and wealth. But it ends with God will walk with her, them. and they will, And he will be their God. And so we see a blessing, actually, in this sense, is that God, who once walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, will once walk again. That's the highest blessing that we could hope for. Uh, for Abram, it did mean that God would be his God and he would inherit a land. And so we find Abram going, obeying. And you'll see that he walks the whole height uh, of the country that was going to be given to him, the land of Canaan. And you find that as he goes into the centre, which is Seshem, that God stops him and and shows him a vision. And, And after that vision, he says that, well, he says it through that vision that this will be the land that he's going to give them. And so Abraham responds by uh, setting up an altar. It's kind of like pitching your flag, claiming the land. Although it wasn't his at that time, he was into a land which God had promised. And he was in, in, in all essence claiming that it was his, that God had given it to him by establishing a place of worship central in that land. He goes on and he goes to the Negev, which is in verse, uh, verse 9. So that's the most southern border of the land. He's gone from the heights to the most southern border, claiming this land, building altars for God. He's kind of taking possession of what God has done, has promised. And in the second half, though, we find Abraham um, in Egypt. He's gone beyond the border of the promised land, Into Egypt, and you find there that Abram is in this kind of: I'm going to preserve my own inheritance. I'm going to preserve what I need to have. He fears for his own life because of his beautiful wife, Sarai. And so he tells a porky, tells a lie to to Pharaoh. He leads him um, to believe something which was not true. And yet out of Egypt and despite failing God, we have Abraham being held tightly by God. That, despite man's perverseness, his own need to go his own way or to preserve himself, we have God rescuing him out of Egypt, which is kind of a pattern, which we will see later on in Egypt with Moses. So we have the gracious promises of God and the illustration of man's failings before him. So when we just come and have an overview of it, what what are we to take away? Well, the Lord is gracious and good. He He has this divine plan, which he has set out from the beginning, and he's made more clear to Abraham. And Abraham's response is one of faith. We read this in the New Testament as as the New Testament uh, comments on this. It says in Hebrews 11, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And also in Romans 4, it reads this. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if, if it's adherence of the law who are to be heir, the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgressions. And this is a very key verse, I feel. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise May rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not by Abraham's decision to try and wrestle with Pharaoh and guard him to something else. So it must rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Not only, it says, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Not only to the adherent of the law but also to the one who shares the faith. Abraham Abraham obeyed. And that obedience was, was just the other side. It was the flip side of faith. It was of the same coin. You know, faith without works is not faith at all. We need to trust God at his word. Trust God at his promises. And expect, actually, that there is a costliness to following God. To following, to be heirs of, with Abraham, to be blessed with him. So faith is obedience. But I want to just draw us to Christ as we finish. It says, those who curse, curse you, I will curse. Christ became a curse for us, so that by his righteousness, by faith, that we may be heirs of the promise. These promises, these blessings that Christ has enabled by his death and resurrection, the price that this promise took upon itself that whoever curses you i will curse all those who have sinned and fall short have found in christ a way of being righteous that they may be true heirs of Abraham. um would there be any questions i know that there's, there's so much in those passages in those verses If not, I will hang around for for a few moments afterwards anyway, but I will end in prayer. And I pray that my prayer would be that we would know that there's an inheritance originally given to Abraham, Abraham, and that is um, ours by faith. By faith we rely on grace and not our own works. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you that you are an amazing God. God, full of love and uh, compassion and patience with a fallen world. We thank you, Lord, that your promises are true and are trustworthy. God, help us to have a faith like Abraham's, that we may be um, like Abraham and receive your blessing of righteousness, that we may inherit a land which is far greater than uh, than what any eye has, uh, has seen or ear has heard or any m- or mind or heart has conceived because Christ has won it for us. And we pray, to God, that you would help us this day to recognize the costliness of faith but the price uh, and, and gift of the blessings promised through Jesus. Amen.